So I, um, I came to church wanting to uh, let Richard teach us. Um, to honor him. So I'm crying because I love Richard and Sue very much. I'm going to miss them so much when they go. But maybe next week, Richard. Um, you'll notice that there's quite a few guys that aren't here with us this morning. Um, Mervis and Anton and Annalene are ministering in Zambia, in Lusaka at the moment. They have a big gathering there and, and they're ministering there. Declan and a team went to Brooklyn and uh, shared the gospel yesterday. Do you want to come and share a little testimony from that? Thanks. I was hoping that um, Warren was going to be here to share that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we, we had an amazing time. And the, I actually had selfish reasons for going because the last few weeks God's been talking to me about my selfishness and just having a lack of gratitude. And I cultivated um, spiritual disciplines of gratitude and when this opportunity came I was like okay that's something I can do and it was it was like for me uh, because I want to um, strengthen that muscle but um, you're so overwhelmed and Adam who leads the congregation there he said that there's so many broken families so many fatherless and destitute and prostitutes and um the first person we spoke to, um, we were just crying <laughs> and just God's heart for them. And then the second person was a little boy and I was just talking to him and his dad comes around the corner and he's on it with a crutch and <laughs> he shared his story. He, he, while he was in his mother's womb, he was kicked and um, he came out with a deformity, and his father didn't want to pay the money to have the operation. Um, so he ended up with this deformity, which his whole spine and everything skew, and he struggled his whole life. And just the <laughs> the whole situation of brokenness. And we could pray with him and um, just share God's truth and break off those lies that he's not valuable and. I'm speaking to his life, but there's so many, that's, that's two stories, two people, there's so many people, so much brokenness out there, and we don't realize how comfortable we are sitting here worrying about our little problems, our finances, our house, our car, our this, and yeah, I just want to challenge you guys to think of it, and focus on Jesus, and yeah, there's a whole world out there that needs a whole lot more loving um, and even if you don't have the gift of evangelism, I don't have that gift, but it's us together. You can go with, we went in teams, and you just love on them, because that's what the Spirit wants to do, is love, bring the, the fatherless home. And uh, yeah, just this morning, also the sense of the prodigal son and the father just wanting to love us. Um, but we can't get stuck there. We can't get stuck on just us needing to be but with with the father we need to move from there
Thank you. Thanks for sharing so much. So Declan and Warren and a number of the guys are in Brooklyn this morning. Um, uh, it, w- it was so interesting. Declan had arranged to go and, and, and preach in Kailicha at the church there, and, and that was canceled at the last minute, which meant that all the people that he spoke to yesterday in Brooklyn who are going to church in Brooklyn today will meet him there because he's sharing his testimony at the church there. And... Uh, and then Cliff and, and, and another team of guys are in Gordon's Bay, and they're ministering there uh, this morning. Um, and I'm just so grateful to the Lord that he's, we've got so many of us that aren't here. Tony and Lindsay, they're in City Bowl, <laughs> leading the congregation there this afternoon. For any of you who want to go and visit and encourage them, uh, you're so welcome. Um, is Clive here this morning? He's not. Okay. Any of you know Clive? What's, what's Clive's wife's name? Anyone know? Carla. Clive and Carla. Yes, Preston. I'm so sad he's not here. Because last week, you know Clive, he's quite a big man and he sits over there usually. And uh, they decided, you know what, we're going to go and, and, and bless the guys in City Bowl PM. And so Clive went and Clive's got a bit of a bad knee and so when he got there, he saw that there's a a flight of steel stairs that you need to climb up. And it took him quite a while to get up there. And a number of the City Bowl PM congregation walked past him as he was climbing the stairs, you know. And then Tony said, hey, I just want to welcome the guys from Sunningdale that have come to bless you guys. And, you know, Clive and Carla and, and Clive just kind of, you know. And it's amazing, a number of the older people there, they were just like, wow, this guy has made all the effort with his bad knee to come here, climb, get here, just to be here. He didn't preach, he didn't teach, he didn't, he just was there. And it's amazing just wanting to obey God and just go. And that's what God is calling every one of us to do, is to go, to give, to be part of His kingdom and to do what He's doing. So, super encouraged by that. Um, Then last weekend, myself and the elders weren't here, and that was great. Because you got an even better preach or teach than you would have gotten from me, from Dan. I, uh, I had to drive around during the week, and so I, I put Dan's sermon on in the car. And I was just driving and crying. Yes, it was so good, Dan. So good. So full of life. Um... But we were away as elders, and, uh, and we, we went away to seek the Lord, to spend some time together, to hear from Him. And the Lord is speaking to us about a new season, a new season as a congregation. And I, I've been telling you that the Lord has put maturity on my heart, that every one of us would, would grow up to be all that He's called us to be. And it's not just about doing stuff. It's not about just using the gift that God has put in you for His kingdom, but it's about growing into the character of Jesus. It's about reflecting Him in every way in our lives. And as part of that, 
the Lord is speaking to us about creating space, creating room in the nest for the baby eagles to grow up. You know, in a nest, you can only fit so many eagles. And uh, with so many wonderful elders and deacons and leaders, often what happens is hardly anybody gets a chance to do anything, to minister, to share. But the Lord is telling us, make room. Make room for everyone to be what I've called them to be. Not just to minister, but to grow up and to bear fruit. Why? Because on that day, on the great day that I'm going to talk about in just a second, we will come before Jesus. I will and you will. And it won't be a case of, hey Lord, how are you? Fine. Uh, so, talk to me about the fruit that you bore for me and for my kingdom. Well, I, I was part of Josh Jen and, you know, we had 44 congregations and I was part of 412 and, and we had people going all over the world ministering and Jesus is going to be like, no, no, no. I, I, I said, talk to me about the fruit that you have borne for me. And over the past few weeks, I've been having this terrible burden for us as a congregation. Because I know what I'm doing every week. I know what the elders are doing. I know what the deacons are doing. I know what the community leaders are doing. But I'm not sure, and I know you guys are doing a lot, but I don't know what everyone is doing in bearing fruit. And my responsibility as the leader around here is to make sure that you do bear fruit and to grow up. I will be held responsible for you and for your fruit. And so I had this burden and I've been praying for you. I've been saying, Lord, how do we bring everyone into maturity? And so you're going to see over the course of the next few weeks, maturity is going to be a key theme that comes through again and again. And Dan spoke last week about maturity. And he said that to be mature, we have to love and obey God's Word. He encouraged us that we should read and learn and linger on and obey the Word of God for ourselves. He said, you can't just have your quiet time by putting on a good preach from Andrew or a good preach for Will or a good preach from John Piper or... That's not enough, because then you're growing up on somebody else's revelation. Do you remember that? And he said, get into the Word of God, because God has put His Holy Spirit in you, and He will use the Word that you read, and He'll speak to you personally, so that you have, have read it, you have understood it, you have seen it, and you have believed it. And that, he said, will change your life. And that will create unity amongst us. Why? Because there's one Lord, there's one Spirit, and He will speak to us in the same direction from His Word. Isn't that good? And so, I'm going to give you part two this morning. Are you ready?
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 to 10 says this. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. What do we make it our aim to? Krieger, what do we make it our aim to? You guys are eating sweets. Krieger, you can't be eating sugar. Hey? Only on Sundays. I'll see you on Monday morning. Why do we make it our aim to please Him? The verse continues to say, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or bad. And He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. Do we have power back on? Michael, switch on that screen, please. Can you give me a, a roving mic? Okay, I'll keep going on this. That's fine. Okay. I need us to read the scripture together. How long do you think it will take to put it up? Four minutes. Okay, it's too long. I'm going to keep going. Can I read it again? It says, whether we're at home or away. So for Peter and Elvira who are here from California, you're away. And we who are here are at home, most of us. Whether we are here or there, we make it our aim to do what? To please Him. To please whom? Jesus Christ. That is the aim of our lives, is to please Him. Why? Why do we make it our aim to please Him? Because there's a day coming when we will all appear before Him as the judge. And that judge is the one who died for us. He's the one who gave it all for us for a reason. The scripture is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9 to 10 and 15. He gave it all for us for a reason. Who was it who brought the word about the prodigal son? Was it you? you? You kept on thinking of the prodigal son. And and it's all good and well to know that we were in the pigsty, but then we could return to the Father. But returning to Jesus doesn't... We, our life doesn't end there with giving our life to Him. Confessing our sins, being born again. It doesn't end there. It starts there. And then He asks us to do something. What does it say? Verse 15. And he died for all, and here's the reason, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. 
the part of maturity that I want to teach us about this morning is that if we are to grow up, we need to have the right perspective. We need to see God. We need to see life. We need to see each other in the right way. And this is the beginning of the right perspective, which is to know that there's a day coming when we will be judged according to how have we lived. That day is coming for each one of us. Now you can choose to take the ostrich approach. What does an ostrich do when it sees danger coming? Sticks his head in the ground, in the sand. You can choose to ignore that it's coming. You can choose to, okay, well, it's coming, so I'm just going to make the most of these next couple of years that I have, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live life to the full. Or you can be wise and mature, and you can live in light of the fact that Jesus is going to ask you and me, did you live your life for me or for you? Are we together? That's the beginning. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. Do you know where I got this scripture? I was praying this morning at about half past five, and I saw a post on one of the community groups, and it was Clive Preston who posted it. This scripture. Let's read it together. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. It continues. Therefore, verse 17. It froze. It's scared. There we go. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So, we've got a couple of options here, it seems. We can live wisely or foolishly. To be mature is to understand what the Lord's will is and to live that way. What is His will? Anka? How should we live? To please Him. For Him. That's right. Okay, I'm just checking. I'm going to ask you next. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 27. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man, this is the bit, for the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. 
That's the beginning of maturity, is realizing that Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, the King of Kings, not the lowly servant with the sandals, but the great King with the fire in His eyes and the millions of angels, He will come and He will repay you for how you have lived every day. He will repay you for the decisions that you have made. He will repay you for the thoughts that you have thought. He will repay you for the generosity that you have either given or not. He will repay you for the hospitality that you have shown or not. He will repay you for the faithfulness that you have displayed in your life or not. The day is coming. And He has a requirement of us. I'm trying to not be gentle. Too gentle. Because I know myself. For many years, I sat in church on Sundays. I believed in Jesus. But during the week, I spent all the time trying to build my business. Trying to get by. Trying to get out of debt. And I, I spent my time on the things that would build my house. My wealth. My family. And I thought that I was okay because I go to church. I had a community meeting in my house. I mean, I was a comm leader. I used to lead worship on Sunday. And I thought that I was serving God. But I wasn't really. I was ticking boxes. Have I been to church more Sundays than not? Yes. Okay, I'm fine. No, you're not. Can I read a very scary verse? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I don't know where it is. Let's look at... No, next one. Next one. There we go. 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 3. I want to know, after we read it, how many of us have done what it says, okay? If I give all I possess to the poor and I surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Um, how many of you have given everything away to the poor? All that you have? Oh, okay, no, nor have I. How many of you have surrendered your body to the flames? In other words, you've, you've, you've died by fire. Of course you haven't, but you're still here. And so these people here that he's talking about have done more than we have done, practically speaking. They've given more. They have sacrificed more. But if it's not done out of love, you gain nothing. 
There is a way of living, there is a way of giving, there is a way of serving in the church even that doesn't benefit you. You gain nothing by it, even though you sacrifice yourself in doing it. And the answer is, it's the motive and it's the heart that counts. It's very strange that the Bible would say, these people have given everything to the poor. They've, they, they've spent all their time. They've, some people have even neglected their own family to serve, but they've done it from a motive that isn't a love for God. It's done from a position that it's not done because they've seen the treasure of God, the joy of God. They've seen eternity, and so they give themselves wholly to Him. They've done it because, well, it's what we do. It's our culture. It's our values. And so, oh, my whole community, so I do. And so what I want to do is to shake us up a little bit this morning and say, if you are like I was, if you are serving just because, if you're, if, you're, if you're living that way, or if, if you feel like, okay, I'm part of Josh Jen and I come on a I'm okay, you're not okay. And so, as part of your maturity, I want to urge you and exhort you this morning. It's time to grow up and to bear fruit, you, individually, not your community or your congregation or your church or your movement that you're in, but you. I would like us to look at two people that did this, that built well. And just before we look at those two people, we're all building a life, every one of us. Some of us are young, like George, Brett. Some of us are a little bit older. Some of us are a lot older. But we're all building a life. And sometimes it's difficult to build a life, isn't it? to try to cope and manage and, and, and try to get the priorities right and to try and serve. And then you come to church on Sunday and there's a guy screaming down the mic at you saying, you've got to bear more fruit. And you're like, flipping heck. Anybody feel like that? Do more, do more, do more. Give more. Cheapers. And Jesus used a parable to teach us how to build our life. And I'm going to read you that little parable and then I'm going to show you two, two men that built well, and see what we can learn from those two men. And then we're going to finish. Is that okay? So here we go. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. That's the one kind of way to build. It's by hearing these words of mine and doing them. Verse 26, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So we're all building a life, every single one of us. And there's, there's the same thing that each one of us have. We hear the Word of God, or we read it, or we're exposed to it. We hear that there's an eternity coming. We hear that there's a judgment coming. There's a, an account that's coming. And we hear it. 
And we either decide I'm going to be mature and wise and we, and we build well, which means we obey and we do what God says, or we choose to ignore God, to put Him in a little box and do nothing or little of what He says. Okay? But then both houses are tested in the same way. It says, and the rain came and the wind blew and the floods rose and the waves rose against that house. And every one of our houses of our lives are going to be tested. And you might be in a season now that's lacquer, that's calm, that's, you know, I'm enjoying, I'm not sure how much I need God. Or you might be in one of those testing seasons or like going through COVID or whatever. But ultimately, that test, that wind blowing, the rain coming is going to be when you die. It's not about the many challenges that you have at the moment. And I know we have challenges. I'm not minimizing that. But I'm saying the big test is going to come. You know, there was a man, um, I don't know why I'm thinking of him at the moment. His name was Hugh Hefner. And he was very, very successful. Very, very rich. He founded something called Playboy. And he had this terrible lifestyle and terrible house and, and, and all sorts of things that he built his life with. And it made him huge amounts of money. And he had endless women and, you know, anything that, he desired. It was horrific. And then he died. And in this life, many people thought, yeah, he had everything he wanted. But let me tell you, the rain and the wind of that guy's house has been torn down. And all that's left now is an eternity of torment. And I use him as an example. I have no idea why, except that it's probably the extreme of somebody trying to gain pleasure from this world. And sometimes we think, okay, it, I, I just need to get a little bit, whether it's from that kind of thing, or surfing, or, or, or food, or, or money, or... All of it is completely temporary. And all of it will abandon us in the end, when it counts. And then there are two men that I want to read to you about. Very different to that kind of life. And the first one is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 to 27. Let's read that together. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. So, by faith, it says, Moses... When he had grown up, what are we talking about? We're talking about maturity. We're talking about growing up. And when he had grown up, he decided to refuse certain things. 
So because of his faith, because of what he had seen coming, because of what he believed about God and eternity and judgment, he decided, in my life, I'm going to refuse certain things. What were they? Number one, being identified as Egyptian royalty. He was Prince Moses. Anything he said, he got. Anything he wanted, he got. He had wealth. and I mean, he was the Pharaoh's son. But because of something he had seen, because of a perspective that he had, he chose to lay that down and no longer to be associated. He chose not to be known as Pharaoh's daughter's son. He chose to refuse the fleeting pleasures of sin. This might be a little bit more relevant than being an Egyptian royalty for us. The fleeting pleasures of sin. Sin is pleasurable, but we need to choose to refuse it. Why? We'll come to that. He chose to refuse the treasures of Egypt. He chose to refuse to be subject to or to, to, to define his life according to the fear of Pharaoh's anger and rejection. He knew he was going to be discarded. He was going to be even hunted for his life. He knew that he was losing out on the approval of Pharaoh and that he was going to be subject to the anger of Pharaoh. But he chose to reject Pharaoh and his view and opinion on him. He then chose certain other things instead. He chose suffering and mistreatment he chose disgrace for the sake of Christ. He chose to persevere in obeying God despite opposition and difficulty and hardship that he was storing up for himself. Now, if you ask anyone in the world, they would say, Moses is an idiot. He's giving up everything that the world offers and he's choosing pain and disgrace and hardship. What a fool. Right? Why? Because he was looking forward to his reward. He was taking an eternal view of life. He was looking for the Lord's approval. It says, for the sake of Christ. And so he left Egypt. He left his comfort zone. He left his place of safety and security. Why? Because he saw things differently. Let's look at the second person, and you'll be surprised at the similarities. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11. And it says, can, can we do it in the ESV? Is that, is that possible? Is that just so that mine and yours I can read? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, think this way. Take this view Hold this opinion, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, 
God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, like Moses, refused certain things. He refused his identity as heavenly royalty. He refused to enjoy the pleasures of heaven, the fellowship of God and the Holy Spirit that he'd had for all eternity. He, he refused the treasures of heaven, having everything that he needed. And he chose to come under the anger and the wrath of God the Father on your behalf and on my behalf, just like Moses. He chose certain things. Suffering, mistreatment, disgrace for the sake of us. He emptied himself and he persevered even to death and death on the cross. Why? For his eternal reward. So that he could have us with him and share in his glory forever. So he left heaven. He became our servant and he was obedient to the point of death. So here's the challenge. For us to be mature, we need to take the same view that Moses and Jesus took. It's an eternal view. It's a view that says these, let's call it a hundred years, if we're lucky, that we have, are going to be used for a purpose that goes beyond these hundred years. I'm going to live my life in a way that my eternity depends on. That the reward for eternity will depend on how we have lived now. And so they gladly gave up what they might have had here for what they could have there. Do you understand that perspective? Do you understand that view? And so when we are encouraged <laughs> to give up our lives, what does that mean practically? Okay, I'm going to ask you to preach now. Practically, Jesus said, if you, whoever will save his life, will lose it. But whoever would give up his life for me will find life. Practically speaking, what does that mean? What does it look like? And I'm going to ask five or ten of you to tell me. Practically, how... Do we live completely foolishly like Moses and Jesus did? How do we give up our life here, practically, and yet wisely and maturely? Okay, give me some examples. Time. What do we do with our time? Whatever the Spirit leads us to do. Serving others, JP. How? Making meals for other people? Mow their lawn instead of yours? Look after their babies? Help them service their car? Help them move. Welcome them into your space, into your home. Have an open home. Feed people around you with your own budget. Career choice. Ask the Lord what you want me to do rather than what's going to make me the most money. What about deciding where you're going to work or where your family is going to be? You first decide where is there a church that I can serve and give to. Yes, but how? Doing what he wants instead of what. So Anastasia says, Die to yourself and live to him. 
So I said, what does that mean? It says, do what he wants instead of what you want. I know a couple of people that are living in a way now that they don't want to. They were together, they're not married, and they have given that up. They no longer are living together. They are living separate until such a time as they get married. And that isn't what they want to do, but it's what the Lord wants. And it's honoring to Him and pleasing to Him. And I know that the Lord is going to bless them for doing that. And my goodness, is it difficult. But my goodness, isn't it worth it? What's another way? Practically, putting your reputation or your image on the line, being bold and and saying, I've got a ring. I belong to Christ. Tell people the good news about Jesus when it's uncomfortable, when you don't know what they're going to think about you, or when you know they're going to reject you for it. Nick Fiamingo, you can host people. What does that mean? Allow them to come and live in your house. Take care of them. Why would you do that? It's so inconvenient. God's heart would be to host people. Choosing friends wisely. Who do you spend your time with? Because bad company corrupts good character. Is that the reason? Yes. Peer pressure. Okay, so doing everything from the springboard of being utterly in love with Jesus. I agree. That's the key thing. So what am I describing to you? I'm describing to you is a life of faith. It's a life of doing things that you wouldn't normally do because you've seen something, because you believe something. It's like the whole of the book of Hebrews chapter 11. It's a whole list of people that did crazy things like giving their bodies to be burned or being cut in half or, but not shrinking back, pressing in, doing the crazy things like giving themselves up to be burned or giving their stuff away or, or, or being wronged and not pursuing court actions against others. All of this crazy stuff that doesn't make sense. But the answer is that it's because we see things a different way, we act in that way. Because we see it, we do it. And what happens is, and now we come back to that springboard of love, because we see God, and because we see His love for us, and because we see His kindness and His mercy towards us, We are filled with gratitude and love towards Him. And from that love, everything flows. Are we getting it? Very good. We can pray more for people around us and for the world and for the gospel. Being obedient to what God says. Do it God's way. Yes, Chris. How we use our money. God is very kind. He just says, give 10% of all your increase to me. That's a good point. Because it's challenging. It's, it's actually stupid to give 10% of everything you have to the church. Why would you do that? Because he says do it. And because he is the one that gives you the ability to produce the 100%. And so if you honor him, you're wise. The second reason is because if you don't give him the 10%, you start to rely on the 100%, and then you start to get confused in your mind, thinking that you were the one that made that money, and not him. That you were the one who was gifted and talented, and you forget that he gave you even the breath that you have to earn that 10%. And you start to become self-reliant instead of God-reliant. And so we mature, and we grow up. And we start to honor him. And you know what happens is, as we start to live our lives in that way, 
the craziest thing happens. We get more. I'm not talking about money. Sometimes we get more money. Sometimes we get less. But we get more. We get more of God. We get more of His Spirit. We get more joy. We get more peace. We get more assurance of our salvation. We get more people coming around us, feeding off the life of God from us. And we get more fruit. And we get more reward for eternity. And so we want Him more and more. The first step in becoming mature is see things His way. And the way we do it is what Dan said. Read it, learn it, linger in it, and obey the Word of God. Is it easy? Yes. Um, I just wanted to um, also say on, on Friday at Youth, we were speaking about um, submitting. And I think it's also very important to submit to what um, God's telling you to do in your life and being open to, like, um, criticism was one of the things we talked about and, like, accepting it from, like, leaders in the church and being willing to change. And, um, yeah. Yeah, that was good. You've said two profound things. The Holy Spirit is working in your life. I can see that. Um, So what I want you to do is to tell them about the forgiveness thing. And then I want you to pray for us in a prayer where we can forgive and where we can move forward in the Lord. Is that okay? Yeah, so like I was saying is there's so many people in this world that hurt us. And sometimes they make you mad, they make you crazy, and they don't deserve to be forgiven. But I think forgiveness is one of the, the big keys in life, is to forgive those that hurt you, that doesn't deserve it. Love them and pray for them. Let us pray. Father God, we come before your throne of grace this morning, Lord, and we give you all praise and all glory. Lord, and we just want to pray that you help us, Lord God, God, and, and guide us, Lord, in the right direction. And Father, help us so that we can let go of being selfish, Lord, and be selfless and Just give our hearts to you, surrender ourselves to you, Lord, and just give all that we have, Lord. We give it for your name's sake, Lord God, and not to not to allow, Lord God, the flesh, the desires of the flesh to take control, Lord, but let us give that off. Let us let us lay that down, Lord God, and and give you all praise and glory in all that we do, Lord. And even though, Lord, that we love those, we pray for those, and be kind to those that don't deserve it, Lord. Lord, as you have given your life as a ransom for us, Lord, when we didn't deserve it. It is by your grace that we can be here today, Father God, and it is only by grace, Lord, that we are alive and that we have an opportunity to give our lives, Lord God. So I just want to thank you, and I pray, Lord God, for every word that went out today, for every person that has spoken your word, for the truth that went out in the church today, Lord, we thank you for that, and I just pray, Lord God, for your word to increase in our lives as we go about every day's life, Lord God, that when we walk out of this door, Lord, don't forget you, persevere in your word, in your truth, and let your Holy Spirit guide us in all that is your will and that pleases you. And I pray that in Jesus' name. The whole service, um, I've just had that verse, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And I was just worshiping yesterday, and in my mind I just saw Jesus on the cross. And and then the Lord took me to him exalted in heaven in that revelation scripture about him seated on the throne. 
Um, and I just felt the Lord drop into my heart that thing of, he went through that because the joy set before him was us <laughs> and having a relationship with us. And then I felt the Lord say, like, the joy set before us is him. <laughs> and when we see him and see Jesus, and I think it's, it's what Lucas has been saying, when we see Jesus laying our lives down, it becomes easier. But if we're trying to just jump through hoops and, and do stuff, then it gets tiring because we're doing it in our own strength. And I, I just feel like this morning Jesus is saying, I'm the joy set before you. I'm your prize. And when we see him and we look on him and we see how beautiful he is, then doing these things just becomes an overflow out of the heart. I also just felt like God is our head and he's the one that brings us all together as one. And without him, we are nothing. And so... So here's the last thing. If there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus, who's never given their life to him, and you know you're sitting here, you're hearing about Jesus, you're hearing about that day coming, but you know you need your sins to be forgiven. You need him to to wash you clean. And you want to be back in relationship with God. You want to follow him. I want to pray for you. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Please forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for living my way. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody prayed that for the first time. Okay, awesome. Love you guys.